Boom shakalaka. Okay, so this week, because it's so fresh in my mind, I really wanted to talk about this too. Based on the talk that I did earlier with one of the companies that I'm doing the wellness challenge with right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for people to think about. So this is a little bit of a mind exercise for people. And it's all about how the environment shapes our bodies literally. And I'm, I'm going to make the C shape. Nobody can see it right now, but I'm making a C shape with my hand because I, st- I started the talk with how I can predict people's future if they don't take action on their environment right now. So I was like my hook, basically. <laughs> so if you don't want to turn into a C, the letter C, keep listening. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And um, so we started with that. And I guess and have you, you know, Katie Bowman, I think I I've don't. Talked, yeah. I thought so I probably mentioned her a couple times on the podcast by now, but she has this book called move your DNA, which was kind of like her breakout book. Okay. And in that book, she talked about orcas, AKA killer whales for a lot of people and orcas in captivity get shaped by their environment in a very sea-like way. And you may have seen it in pictures or if you ever went to SeaWorld. I don't think SeaWorld's running anymore, right? I don't, yeah, I know some big things happened with them about five years ago. I don't know what's happening now. Yeah, there was a documentary that came out. Yep. Yeah. But um, orcas in captivity, they're thin. They're dorsal thin, which is usually really long and tall and straight in the wild, will fold over in a curved shape. And, and why does it do that? Just because it's such a small area for them so that so that's part of it changes. That's part of it. Also, um, a lot of it has to do with this concept. Well, I shouldn't say also, but that is a part of this concept called mechanotransduction. Okay. Okay. Tell big, me about that. Yeah. Big <laughs> Mechanical, mechanically transducing the shape of your environment into the shape of your spine or the shape of your body. So in the case of orca whales, they are in a much smaller environment than they would be in the vast open ocean where they cover hundreds of miles on a regular basis. Right. Right. And that pressure from going through the water actually shapes how that fin stands up as they develop as a young orca, basically. And because the they're usually in like a, a large pool, but still not large enough for a killer whale. Right. And, and they tend to do laps in that pool to kind of get them exercise. And also because they go crazy just doing laps because they're, they're animals that are meant to travel hundreds of miles on a regular basis. Right. All the you time. Know, all the time. They, they end up curving their fin in that way. And then they end up having health problems because that fin pulls on their spine. Dang. Yeah. And that's what's happening to most people in our sedentary environment that we find ourselves in these days. So it's happening to whales and then it's happening to us. So yeah. what are the main environments? So, so what are the main environments that it happens with us? Sitting at a desk. Oh, yeah. Sitting at a desk, yeah, because we'll shorten our hip flexors in the front of our body, and then those will get tight, especially if we're not doing anything outside of our sedentary environment. Like 
that's why walking helps so much with this, for example, especially walking with like good tall posture to straighten everything out. Mm-hmm. And then when we're at our desk, a lot of times our computer's not in a good position. So we pitch our head forward mm-hmm. or maybe our eyes have getting, gotten beat up by all the light from our computer. So we're straining and we pitch our head forward, right. for example. So, and so that top pitch forward and that bottom pitch forward from the hips creates this C shape in our spine. Yeah. And then you get impingements and then you get bulging discs and then you get all the other things that happen with that. And that's just from sitting. So we as human beings can, who are meant to really, we're, we're still meant to walk far distances. We're meant to be very active. And I'm just saying that in the, you know, terms of history, uh, you, you know, we've been, uh, definitely moving around so within only within the last 500 years we're seeing all these types of problems now what so we know that it influences us we hear that all the time so are there ways for us to like how do we combat it yeah so another uh really useful way to think about this and how to actually think about your positions and how your environment is affecting you which was also in my talk recently (laughs) is the sloth acronym Okay. Okay. So sloth stands for, it's the domains. Think of it this way. It's the domains that you get shaped by your environment in, the five most common domains. Okay. So sloth is sleep. S. L is leisure. O is occupation. T is transportation. And H is home. Okay. And those are, those are your places that you can change your behavior, basically. Yes. And, and in doing so, change the shape of your body. Okay. Okay. I okay. like it. So some people have, everybody, I should say, has a different domain that they have more or less control in. So sleep, for a lot of people, is hard to change their position because they've been sleeping on that same side forever for example right right occupation a little bit easier maybe if you get like a if you change the height of your computer for example so you're not pushing forward with it or um you get up from your desk every once in a while a little bit more and maybe do some stretches do or you go for a walk. right or you go for a walk at lunchtime yep uh t is transportation nowadays a lot of times guess what we're doing when we're transporting places what? we're not walking we're sitting so another reason why you get in that C shape. Okay. Um, but if you can think about ways that you can actually transport yourself that are active, that can help a lot. And, and transportation, I think people think is the most inefficient way to get movement. When you compare like how far you can transport yourself using your own body versus how far you can transport yourself using a car. Yeah. For example, But I think transportation is probably one of the most social ways other than the home environment Mm -hmm. that you can actually get movement in. And then it can become a really cool social thing. Absolutely. And did you Uh, say leisure for L, right? Oh, yeah. I forgot L. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what leisure for L? Leisure is L. Yep. I just 
did the sot without the L. <laughs> and what would be considered leisure? I mean, I, I'm sure you can do lots of good health activities, uh, leisure activities, right? Yeah, and leisure is actually one I, I sat on for a little bit in the talk because leisure is probably the one where peop- most people think they should get their quote-unquote exercise in. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the other areas, I'm kind of thinking like general movement versus like pop exercise, yeah. right? But leisure is also the place where a lot of people don't feel like they have that much time, you know? people who are busy professionals or people who are moms and dads, you know, they don't feel like they have a lot of leisure time. So leisure is the one that I would say is the most popular in terms of what people think they should do movement in that one domain. Yeah. Really you're going to see the best results if you get it in as many of these domains as possible. So are we going to talk about that? Are we going to talk about, how like how we can shape the, these environments to better our health and make sure make sure that you know we're not doing bad things like in these is that what we're talking about next yeah yep. all right let's do yeah. it so what do you think about you said sleep is probably the most important right sleep i would say is one that you're in for eight hours yeah you know so if you think about like how much time we spend in each of these and how much time we have in each of these yeah sleep, sleep's going to be it's going to happen you know, has yeah. to happen. Yeah. So a lot of times people will wake up. You want to be able to sleep in a way that when you wake up, you're not hurting. And you, you want know? to make that. So you want to make that environment good for you to be able to wake. So to not hurt when you wake up. Right. So would you change like your pillow or your bed or what would you start with? A lot of times I start with pillows. Yeah. People. Okay. And sometimes I'll also start with like a pre-sleep stretch. Oh, okay. I like that. Because a lot of times if they're trying to change their position, Mm -hmm. the reason they get into that position in the first place is because the other positions feel uncomfortable or too tight. Okay. So if we can do a little pre-sleep stretch, it can help people change their position. And you're not talking about a lot of time, right? Just a few minutes before can make a big difference. A few minutes max. Yeah. Like two to three minutes. Well, just think if your hip flexors are so, if you do sit all the time and your hip flexors are super tight, then if you get into, if you lay down, I mean, now your hip flexors are in a normal position or a a lengthened position. And Mm -hmm. so you're fighting against uh, what basically the shortening all day. So you're probably going to have some pressure in your lower back. I know I sometimes feel that if my uh, hip flexors are tight and yeah. I think that's a great idea to just do like three or four minutes of, of certain stretches that, you know, you know, will help you. Yep. And then I would say I'm a little bit odd in this respect in terms of maybe other coaches I've encountered, but I like telling people to support themselves with pillows a little bit more at first. Okay. Especially, but with the caveat that I would really like them to do that stretching routine beforehand and get to the point where they don't need the pillows as much. All right. So pillows become a little bit like a crutch. Sure. And that we need that at the beginning, at least. Exactly. Exactly. So you want to think of it in that context. So can you, can you pad your environment to help you get into a better position? Mm -hmm. And then can you set yourself up for success with that position by opening up areas that are problem areas specifically for you. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Very cool. Oh. 
And then you got eight hours of new movement training, possibly for your body that you can, that you can get some benefit from. Now, most of the time what ends up happening is your body naturally kind of goes back into its common position, Mm -hmm. you know, as you go through the night and that's fine. Like don't lose sleep, literally trying to get into a quote unquote better position. Right. But try to get into that position a little bit more often as you can. Okay. I like it. Yeah. And now what about the general environment? Like how hot and cold it is? I mean, how often have you heard somebody, Oh, I can't sleep because it's too hot. Oh, I can't sleep because it's too cold. That seems like one of the most simple things that people just never change. And I think that you should, you should take the time to really make sure that your bedroom is climate controlled. Yeah. If you can, that's a big one. I would say getting the temperature right, that makes a big difference for a lot of people. That becomes like a social problem, I feel like, for a lot of people who are living with anybody else. Like, who, what temperature do they prefer? You know? <laughs> That's I also true. think um, you can affect that a little bit more based on what clothing you wear at bedtime, too. Yeah, sure. The clothing, and the clothing actually affects the position a lot of times, too. You know, and that's something to think about as well. Okay. And yeah, there's a lot of little hacks you can do to improve your sleep. I get. I mean, I've done a whole talk on on improving <laughs> your sleep. I could, I could talk a while about how to get your sleep better and get your uh, movement better in your sleep. Okay. Yeah. Well, so we can do that at a different time. Let's yeah. Let's go, we can break, let's go we can break that. We can do a whole episode on sleep, but that's like the first kind of things I think about in terms of movement in the sleep environment. All right. So cool. well, position. Even just think about it like position. You don't even have to think about it like movement. Just position. Yep. Yeah. All right. I love it. All right. How about let's do sloth. Let's do leisure. So like what kind of environment do you want your leisurely activities to be in? Uh, So go ahead. So leisurely speaking, I mean, this is the best time to do like a traditional workout, for example. Yeah. So um, because let's just say leisure is not leisure is more of like planned leisure. It's not sitting around watching TV, even though leisure can also be sitting around watching TV. But we're talking about like a planned leisure here. Right, exactly. Like planned leisure time. Like I have some time to not be responsible, (laughs) you know, but then, hey, here's some responsibility. Let's get a workout. (laughs) Yep, exactly. So that's the best time I would say to actually get like a, a traditional workout in, you know, like a 30 to 60 minute workout in. For example, where um, if you do have the ability to do so, you can get a lot of bang for your buck yeah, and get a lot of different areas of your body hit at the same time. You can work on some tight spots at the same time. You can maybe get that intensity up a little bit higher than right. you would in your normal daily movement, mm-hmm. for example. And then that can breed results for usually a couple of days. You know, before you before you really need to do that leisurely activity, high level of activity. I would say I like that because I mean we talk a lot on this podcast about how just doing kind of regular life things, like neat things, uh base are are really good for everyday body. But the thirty you know, that twenty to sixty minute or thirty to sixty minute workout really is that planned time that you can increase so many aspects of your life in that short period of time. So making, yeah. making that, making that time, I think is super important in leisure. Um, and then you can also, there's all, of course a bunch of different activities, but that planned workout, you can hit a lot of different areas. 
Right, right. And then if you don't, if you're not in like the mode to do an actual planned workout or you don't know what you can do and you haven't contacted a coach or anybody who knows what they're doing, for example, I mean, go for a bike ride, go for a walk, you know, set up that, that time to just do something, something simple, you know, but try to actually set aside some of your leisure, I would say, for some planned workouts. Yeah. And, and the thing I like to point out with the leisure time is that it doesn't have to be every day you're using all your leisure time for your workout. Yeah. You know, if you're never using your leisure time for a traditional workout, one day a week is better than what you were doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then just build up from there. One thing I like in leisure, uh, real quick, is that, okay, let's say leisure is TV time. Mm -hmm. Um, You can make TV time much more active. Uh, so I, I mean, I know a very simple thing. I mean, if you're not stretching at night or anything like that, and you're, you're in front of the TV from 7 PM to 9 PM, or at least a little bit of that time, you mm-hmm. can spend that time stretching yep. uh, almost. I mean, unless you live in a very small apartment or like, I mean, you can, you can have a little bit of room if, as long as you can stand, you have enough room to do stretches. And right. so you could, you can just do 15 minutes, uh, or, or less, or, and just get on the ground instead of sitting on your couch and just knock out some stretches, maybe a couple pushups or anything like that. And you can, so you can spend your normal downtime, uh, even if it, if, even if that is your planned leisure time doing a little bit of workouts. Yeah. I like to tell people to sit on the floor as much as they can. Sure. Sure. That's a big one. I mean, you can do that in other environments as well, but like, if you don't feel like getting a workout in, but like you got tight hips, yeah. especially if you're like, ah, I want to lean towards like 80% of North American males have tight hips so much so that sitting on the ground could be useful for them, even like 20 minutes. Right. And not just, uh, not just like sitting on their butts, right. <laughs> but different positions and kind of moving around. Well, possibly even just sitting on their butts. Like, <laughs> can you sit on your butt with a tall posture? You know, with with a with a with your shoulders down and back, with your chest up, with your head and spine in line with each other. Like, can you go? Can you draw a straight line from your hips to the back of your head in a seated position on the floor? It's hard if like, yeah, I mean, if I'm not doing because I, I mean, obviously that's something you do in yoga almost every yoga practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if so, if I'm not doing yoga for a few weeks, it definitely gets hard for me to just sit up tall. Yeah. Sit up tall. Yeah. That's, that's basically what I'm saying when sitting on the ground, like sit up tall, yeah. you know, or even, um, or even switch the hips to one side, like a shin box on one side and, sh- and then go to the shin box on the other side, for example. Yeah. 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 Cool. Shin boxes, DM us. <laughs> I like it. All right. So we pretty much covered leisure. Now we kind of already covered occupation, right? Right. right. Uh, so we did that. So everyone knows that. Uh, transportation, you kind of touched on a little bit. Mm-hmm. You want to touch on that a little bit? I just have one thing to say about transportation. So, I mean, it is unfortunate. So it is unfortunate that we are in cars a lot. I mean, that's just something that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and me coming from someone like me who I was commuting, uh, almost three hours a day for three, for years, for, you know, over three years, uh, it can be really tough. And I, I tried to take time every day, uh, at least, at least after the car trip 
to do a, a few minutes of stretching, uh, mainly for the, a long commute, especially. Yeah. For long commutes, especially. Uh, and, and especially if you're going, even if you're going into a sedentary, uh, space, like a, an office where you're sitting down, uh, but especially if you're actually going to be doing physical work to do uh, some stretching when you get out of the car and, and warm, warm yourself up before you lift boxes or, or anything like that. Right. So leave early. Leave earlier. Shoot. I can barely wake up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but the church, I would say that transition time is a opportunity to do that. Yeah. And I like that, like at the transition time, because then you're also going to be more likely to remember to do it as well. Like yeah. every time I get out of the car, I just do a couple stretches. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Another thing for trans- transportation, if you are in the car, um, see if you can get your seat to get you to sit up right Ooh. more. Because a lot of people are either in that leaning back or leaning forward type position with their seats. Yeah. Also, the bottom part of the seat where your butt goes, a lot of times I find that people's um seat is tilted down and back Mm -hmm. so that way they kind of like get sunken back with their pelvic tilted under again and those hip flexors getting tight again so you want to try and get that seat flat some seats you can't even get it freaking flat they still tilt down and back so um like rolling up a towel and pushing it into that corner in the bottom there can help flatten it out as well I, re- I, I do that every time for long road trips. Yeah. And then uh, another thing I do in the car is if we're at a stop is I like to just do some neck nods, just turn my head slightly one way or the other and just check on the neck and go up and down. A lot of times people have their own little stretches they do on, on trips for that exact reason. But see if you can actually get those stretches in even on the short trips. Right, right. Plan for it. Like, don't just all of a sudden have a sore neck and then and then start stretching. Know that you're going to get a sore neck because you've gotten a sore neck every day, and then yeah. just start start stretching before that. Yeah, and then the big the big one I think about transportation wise, if you can, like, can you walk to a store that you were planning on driving to? Is there anything close enough, you know? Or can you can you set that as a goal in your leisure time? for example, to see how far you can get with that and kind of combine the two, like leisure and transportation, for example. Can you ride your bike somewhere? Can you commute to work on the bike? Can you, can you do those kind of things? Can you, um, can you park farther away so you can walk a little bit farther when you get somewhere, for example? That's a big one that a lot of people do, and I've seen make a huge difference. It's just when you drive somewhere, park far away and walk up to the place that you drive to, you know, like shouldn't take you more than five minutes. Most parking lots, I would say. I love it. Those are all great ideas for how to like influence your environment for transportation. That's for sure. Right. All right. right. Cool. All right. We have a home. Home, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. home is, I think is a huge one. Yeah. And, and we're both really particular like to home because we both have home gyms and we both think they're the bee's knees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So setting up your environment at home as much as you can. I mean, you want cues and reminders in as many places as possible to get some good quality movement in, I would say at home, especially when it's 
an environment that you have the most control over. Yeah. So how can it influence you? Like, so have you ever lived? So for you, okay. You lived in a tiny house. Mm -hmm. Now you live in a regular house. Did living in that, how did that tiny house influence you differently than the regular house? Well, the tiny house, I already kind of knew this. So I built into the tiny house, literally built in different places where I could exercise in the tiny house. Like one of the lofts had a pull-up bar hanging from it um, and a rope that you could climb up to to get to the loft. Right. So every time I wanted to get up to the loft, I had to climb up the rope. Yeah. I mean, we put a ladder there, but I knew I could climb a rope. So you just put a rope there. Okay. So that's a, that's a good lesson. Okay. So uh, here's a, here's a good tip for the home environment that you have in your, your other home, I think is mm-hmm. putting pull-up bars in doorways. Yeah. And then doing like one to three pull-ups a day. Like, you know, every time you pass through it or something. Or like even that. just hanging out for a couple breaths. Sure. I mean, sure. You don't even need to do a pull-up to get, I mean, a pull-up bar, you can get a lot of other things from it other than a pull-up. Yep. Yeah, but in the doorways, when you walk through, like every time I walk through that doorway, try and take, do these many reps or these many breaths for this long. Or if you want to hang up, you could hang a band from your pull-up bar. I I usually hang bands from my pull-up bar for this reason as well. Yeah, yeah, I love bands on the pull-up bar. And usually you feel safe with that too. You can hook up your TRX strap usually to it, things like that. So my pull-up bars, most of my pull-up bars have a TRX strap on them, a band on them, and actually I have on one of my pull-up bars, I have chalk, a chalk bag hanging from it. (laughs) That's funny. And another one of my pull-up bars, I have, you know those little click counters, like when you get onto public transportation and they click the little thing? Yeah, yeah. I have have one of those click counters on this, on one of my pull-up bars. Oh, perfect. Like every time I do a pull-up, I do a little click. Ah, so smart. It's so satisfying too. (laughs) Like I've trained myself to be like, oh, I love that click sound. That click is awesome. Give that little click. (laughs) Like a dog, basically. So what I was thinking about so much when you told me this topic was how, like when I lived in an apartment, how it was different than like how I have it set up now and different apartments where... I didn't have like an, a, a gym in my apartment complex, like how that affected my environment. So where my gym is, uh, if we're just talking about fitness, is very uh, interesting to my environment. Like having my home gym, a space that I can just come down to and only lift in, it has made a, the biggest difference, I think, uh, in everything. And And if you are looking for an apartment or anything like that too, for me, making sure that it had a good enough gym in it and a 24-hour gym also was a, a huge thing. And so I think thinking about the if you were just talking fitness, there's a lot more to talk about with the environment. But just talking fitness, I love – just think about that, I think, and, and where your gym is, where you're going to be able to work out while you're looking for your house. Yeah. And you could eat – and if they don't have a gym, is there a gym within walking distance or bike riding distance so you could kind of hit – multiple birds with one stone. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's great to it's I love doing like a run to the gym or a walk to the gym. When I used to, we used to train at the same gym uh, in uh, that that one life gym, and I used to ride my bike sometimes, or I would walk at four forty five in the morning uh, because I live so close to it. And and I used to love those walks in the morning, very peaceful, but it would also get me a little energized uh, before training my five a.m. clients. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> always a good idea. Yeah, so I think those are the top ones for home. Well, food. Okay, home. So I have one more, uh, a huge one for yeah, home. Food, right? Yeah. Like food. All right. Food for me and like how your kitchen is set up is everything. All mm-hmm. right. Listen, I love, I'm a balanced person. You know, I, I don't mind eating chocolate chip cookies from time to time when I want to, but it gets, it can get a little crazy. So for instance, a couple of days ago, I baked some snickerdoodle cookies. All right. Uh, they were amazing, by the way. Really good. Um, and so I, and I put them on a plate on my counter and, and so this was the biggest mistake. So what what I should have done is put those in a container and put them in my closet. Right. But so every time I pass that counter for like the next hour, I would just, I'll be like, Oh, cookie. And I'll just grab one. And all of a sudden I realized I had like four cookies. I was like, Oh my gosh, that was like uh, just 1200 calories, like down the drain. Yeah. And and so just setting up my environment, I could have baked those cookies, put them in the closet and probably not have think thought about those and saved maybe 700 calories. So anyway, the lo- long story short, the lesson for food is either A, don't have it in your house if you know you're going to just eat the whole thing or B, don't have it in, in eyesight. Yeah. What you see is what you do. I've heard people say before. I like that. Yeah. So, and that's the reason why we talk about um, setting up pull-up bars and doorways, or I, I mean, we have we have kettlebells in random places in the house as yeah. well, and on the back porch and on the front porch. So that way, if I go outside and I'm like, "Hey, I have a little bit more time outside than I thought I would have," maybe I'll do some kettlebell stuff. Yeah, but food, yeah, that's a big one, especially if people are trying to get like more fruits. A big one I tend to suggest pretty often is just having a fruit bowl oh yeah on the front on the counter for the same reason that those cookies were on the counter (laughs) right or right when you buy your fruit cut it all up and stick it in a bowl Mm -hmm. uh, instead of having it just in your drawer like say having a pineapple in the drawer waiting for you to cut it just cut everything up get it prepared get it ready for you and you're much more likely going to eat those fruits Yep. Yep. We've actually been doing that with uh, mason jars lately because they're clear. So you see them Ooh, because like the fruit and veggie drawer is where fruit and veggies go to dry. I mean, right. die, you yeah. know, and dry and dry. Yeah. Dry up, shrivel up and die. <laughs> That's where fruit and veggies go to die. Yeah. And if you put the fruit and veggies more available and more visible, you're going to do it more. Yeah. And in your home environment, it's much easier to set up to do that kind of stuff. And once again, it doesn't take a lot. It just takes you to do a little bit more than you were doing consistently to really see big changes here. And if, especially if you just do a little bit in each of these environments, you're going to see some big changes. I don't even know if I would suggest a little bit in every environment at first. Right. But just start with one environment and change. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And be consistent with it. Be aware of it measure it, evaluate it, 
put a little scientific method into it. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a good experiment. You can definitely do a, a real experiment with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And shaping your environment. Oh, I love it. All right. Do you have anything else about shaping your environment for the day? How your environment shapes you. How the environment shapes you. Oh, yeah. One more thing. Okay. One more thing. I'm not in as much of a rush today, by the way. Oh, yeah. If you have a couple minutes, I actually have one thing that if you're if this is not your thing that that you might want to talk about. Okay. Okay. Um, So last thing about the environment and changing your behavior to be more healthy using your environment is to think about and we touched on this a little bit is to think about movement really as your main goal when it comes to what a lot of people think of as exercise because exercise is really like if I do a big circle, think of a big circle. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I put movement on the top of that circle and then I put a little circle inside that circle and I put exercise on the top of that circle. Movement is, is, is much more all encompassing in terms of like right now I'm making a circle with my fingers. (laughs) Like that's a movement that I'm doing. Yes. So it doesn't have to be exerting in terms of exercise or, or a lot of times what we see in terms of exercises, things that burn calories, right? You know, which isn't a very good explanation, honestly, because movement also burns calories, right? Lots of things burn calories. Everything burns burns calories. calories. I mean, spicy food burns calories sometimes, (laughs) you know, um, breathing heavy burns calories, doing a hard, um, podcast. <laughs> uh, I mean, but even talking is movement. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, breathing is movement. Yep. For example. So where can you improve your movement versus where can you improve your exercise is is a big difference. There's a big difference between those two. Yeah. And when we're talking about these different environments, it helps to think a lot more about your movement habits versus your exercise habits. Right. I find it reframes how you address it a lot more because we're not trying to get the same kind of stimulus or the same kind of response from it. We're just trying to improve in a way that creates more opportunities for our health. Right. Ooh. So for example, all right. When most people are setting up their home office, like a work mm-hmm. from home office, mm-hmm. the first things they think about are, okay, I need to make sure that I have three screens to be able to be super productive. And then I need a super comfortable chair. Uh, and then I need a place that, that I can put my drink so that it doesn't spill onto my mouse pad, right? Like it's all everything that you do to set up your office. It's all about comfort. But mm-hmm. what you're saying is to set up something like your office with movement as your first thought, if we are thinking health and fitness. And, and, and really, if you want to make your office healthy, you should be thinking movement first. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's movement a big first. Question. It's a t-shirt. It's a t-shirt. Movement first? Or like movement over exercise, I would say. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. That's a great idea. Yeah, just to, to reframe how you think about it. Because a lot of times people are just like, where can I get exercise here? Where can I get exercise there? Or versus like, what's a better movement pattern I can have in this environment? Ooh, what's a better movement pattern I can have in this environment? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Cool. I like it. All right. 
So what's the better movement pattern you can have in occupation? So what my was that? Did you have anything? Any other? That was, that was, that was my end of the of the slothful. My, my line, so okay, in occupation. So like in the work environment. How so? The biggest way to probably change the environment from our standpoint as coaches would be a health and wellness program, right? Yeah. So how can so you, I know you do some health and wellness programs. How can a health and wellness program benefit like a corporation or a small business uh, in the, in terms of changing their environment uh, so to better suit them and be, be more healthy and overall probably be more productive. Yeah. So when I think of a effective health and wellness program, I think of something that's going to make movement easier and make healthy habits easier for people. So that means a lot of times improving access to resources. So that way they can, people can, you have to give them autonomy. Have you ever heard of um, the AMP acronym? Uh, no, tell me what it is. And so to really get people amped up to do something and to do it sustainably, you have to give them autonomy, feelings of autonomy, feelings of mastery, and feelings of purpose. Right. Okay. And what that means a lot of times with the wellness program is giving them enough resources while also being in front of them enough that you can connect them to those resources, that they feel like they're making their own choices, and then you're helping them master how to how to use those choices mm-hmm. and maybe guide them and focus them towards the purpose that's actually going to keep that ball rolling right in the right place right and so you got to you got to you got to sow those seeds in a good wellness program where you have the resources available you have a professional that can connect you to those resources and guide you towards the purpose that that you feel amped up about doing and and getting done so what are some different for everybody okay so so do you have to connect you do have to connect individually i mean to every single person to be able to do this or are there some kind of like some basic guidelines that you can set yeah basic guidelines wise what i try to do is i try to set up a lot of times like a challenge or something of that nature but not in the challenge that I wouldn't say I don't think I'm very conventional with my challenges in terms of how we implement them because what we try to do in a lot of my challenges is just get people to track what they're doing which is a huge one if you're not doing it by the way like a lot of insight can come from just tracking what you're doing yeah uh so that's everybody that's a large portion of the population especially if you ask them to track something different than what they were doing Right. Example. Um, you get community that really helps to give you a better sense of purpose. Yeah. As well. When you get a whole bunch of people all working towards the same thing or a similar thing. Mm-hmm. And then you get the tracking, the community. What was the third one I try and get with people? Oh, I can't remember it right now. Tracking, community. Oh, and then um, the scale 
And then you try and affect the scale with them. So how, how much they're doing in maybe these different realms, for example, during a challenge, depending on what the topic of that challenge is. So right now, for example, I'm doing a challenge that is focused on rewarding people or incentivizing people to do more strength training and stretching. Okay. But it's still, but we're still tracking things um, like walking, running, biking, that kind of stuff. And we're still giving people small incentives for those things, but we're giving people bigger incentives for doing strength training and stretching. And then what we're doing is we're saying, Hey, while this challenge is going, you guys have access to these classes for free. Right. For example, that you can that you can log in and go to and Michael teach you how to strength train and do stretches and he'll individualize it for you. Or you get free consultations um, with our with a professional, a health professional at that time that you can use to kind of set up a plan for how to attack this challenge in the in the best way for you. Yeah. For example. And then figuring out exactly what that scale is for you or how much, what's the, what's the most effective dose for you and getting that dosage right. So you don't end up poisoning yourself you know, <laughs> going too hard, which yeah. a lot of times I find with a lot of challenges, people go too hard and then they just jump from challenge to challenge to challenge. Right. Do you like the most effective dose or the least effective dose? The minimum effective dose. Minimum effective dose. Yeah. yeah. What's the minimum effective dose? Right. That's what you want to find. Yeah. Yeah. So how, what's the lowest hanging fruit that I'm already doing in some way, or I have some experience with that I can get better with. And then maybe next time this challenge comes around, I can see like, Oh, okay. I maintain this habit. Yeah. And now when that next challenge comes around, I'm going to build on it more. Versus a challenge happens and then you stop doing the thing because it's so freaking hard. Right. And so, then rinse and repeat. All right. I like that idea for challenges. Now, what about, so we, we just talked about how important it is to say, like, set up your desk, right? So can you make, what happens if you set up a challenge like that where they change their environment? Uh, have you ever, have you ever tried that? And like, A little bit, a little bit. Workout? Yeah. So what we do a lot of times in wellness challenges is I'll set up bonus points for people in those challenges or weekly bonus challenges within the challenge Yeah, where they'll get extra points for doing some kind of healthy behavior. Oh, And based on what I know about that population, I choose a bonus that helps them. What I'm hoping is the most minimum effective dose type of challenge for that week. Okay. And then if they want to, they can keep doing that one and keep getting bonus points for that one. Ooh, I like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's part of our challenge structure. But in a, in a encompassing wellness program, I would say a lot of times what we do is they'll have me on like a retainer contract and I'll visit like every couple of months or every month or so. And I'll actually do like a walkabout a lot of times. And just go over and see people and try to help them set up their 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 office and their desk and all that kind of stuff. Kind of like a occupational therapist a little bit, you know, or an ergonomic person. A lot of times people don't even know this and I don't even have to do it. I just talk to HR and I just get a list of what their resources are 
Yeah. And if I see and if I see something at their workplace or how they're moving or how they're interacting with the challenge that I think they could actually use a ergonomic, I forget an ergonomic professional. I forget what their name is. It's usually an occupational therapist who's, who's like certified or trained in ergonomics and ergonomics is just getting people into a position a lot of times that they feel more comfortable and more productive in. Yeah. Um, sometimes they go a little too far in the comfort realm for my, I don't know, for my opinion, for my, I would, I don't want people to get more in a C shape basically <laughs> as much as possible, but I'll just give them that resource and I'll just tell them, Hey, did you guys know you guys have a ergonomic occupational therapist that you can call up? And they're like, Oh no, I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah, here's the number. I'll come back and check on you later. Let me know how it goes. That's awesome. That's so. That's such a good idea. I'm looking at the the job titles: ergonomic consultant, cognitive engineer, certified professional ergonomist. So there's a bunch of different people they can reach out to. Yeah, and a lot of times that's in like your EAP benefits. Okay. A lot of times they have that, just like they have nurse lines available that people never ever use with insurance. There's a lot of stuff that people don't use that I've never used on any of my insurances. Yeah, but then once you find it and it's something relevant to you you're a lot of people are amazed at how useful those things can be when you just then that's kind of back to what we were talking about earlier like connecting people to resources maybe they don't even know they have right or how to use them and things like that yeah and then and then checking back on them you know because it's not just getting that connection it's also using that connection in a sustainable and repetitive pattern right right now if you i know you've never really done big companies, but I'm interested in like how many people actually use it because like, so when, when I've been working and environments, like we were talking about before we, before we got on the call uh, where Mm -hmm. it was usually like 15 workers and it was hard work for eight hours a day, like lifting boxes and things like that. Mm -hmm. We would get all sorts of these emails and things and we would just click like, we wouldn't even read it, you know, just delete, 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 delete. And, you know, I started looking at those more just because I'm a health a health professional, right? Uh, and, and I did see the value in them. But I also, there's a weird disconnect in like what you have to do at work and then what, like how to, how to interact with these challenges and things like that, that I always thought were cool. And I really like the ideas that you have to build on the challenges. So it really keeps you kind of in the game a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would just be... I, I, it, it's a tough game, just like everything. And I would be curious, it, just like how you could actually affect so many people. But I bet you it's a kind of a small percentage. Uh, yeah, I would say it's not a majority of the of the business that I usually get into the challenges. And it does tend to be uh, repeat people, I would say, that get into the challenges. Yeah. But what... What you're hoping for is you're hoping to create what's called champions in those in those workplaces, yeah. and, you're, and you're hoping to highlight champions as much as possible in those workplaces. Because a lot of times, what happens is you you have to change the culture a lot of times of yes. a workplace, and most workplace culture is not focused on health and wellness. Honestly, it's yes. just not the main priority, and and I get why it's not. But in order to make it a bigger priority, 
what you have to do is you have to have people that people look up to champion good behaviors. Yes. And then everybody starts following what they do or taking a little piece of what they did and trying to implement it on their own. And then it grows. So like I've been with some of these organizations for eight years now. Yeah. And they, they've gotten a lot better with their, with their culture. And it's not because I've been like sitting in on board meetings and telling them what to do at all. Because they're the ones that are championing in it. They're, they're the ones that are in it and they, they tell everybody. Yeah. I, I love that. And I'm glad you add that into your, whatever you're doing, because like I always had to be the champion at like at, in my office environments, because I, we were talking about this before the pod, but out of 15 people I was working with, I would be the only one stretching or I would be the only person who didn't go out to lunch every day. And, and, but over time and talking with people little by little by little, uh, people would change. People would not bring in their food just, and there's two reasons saving money, but also being so much more healthy. And now and they was, see what, and they see you and how you feel and how you interact and how you do things. And it just over time, even if you're not thinking about it subconsciously, it's going to affect you. And then that slowly changes that environment. And the more that environment changes, boom, all of a sudden you, you can have a big change over five years. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And people talk about it more and they get to know you more and they reference their champions more and they, and they do things that those people do. Yep. And, and what I hope, honestly, it's kind of, it's kind of a an overarching goal when we, when we work with corporations. And the, one of the reasons I started working with corporations is I hope that not only do these people become champions for their organization, but they become champions wherever they go elsewhere as well. Just in life. Spread. Just in life. And, he, and if they change jobs, they, they're that person at that new job yep. as well. And, that, and that's going to make overall cultural shifts is what I'm hoping. Yeah. Like yeah. Having that big impact, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right, yeah. man. I think that was great. Do we have anything else today? I think that's it. Oh, oh, I know what we want to. We didn't talk about our our personal fit quest. I know. Well, you kind of <laughs> did. You you did. You went into uh, you just did your talks and stuff. Well, what else do you want to talk about? I mean, like, how are we training right now? How's the training going this week? What are you What have you been up to? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, last week I checked in and I was having I had a bad week because I was like over exhausted. Uh, and so this week I am actually feeling better. I got three good lifts in, and then I also, uh, have two, got two runs in this week. Okay. So you doing runs more right now? So I'm trying to do every other day, uh, a lift and a cardio. Yeah. But I haven't heard you say run. Very well, much. you just I, not mentioned it or. Well, I do a run walk. So yeah, I, I probably don't mention it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do. And yeah, no, I do a run walk, uh, and which is, it's about 20 minutes and I just do a minute on a minute off, uh, okay. because, because I don't really like running very much. Um, and I found that to be a very good, uh, pace for me and, and, but I can get it down. Like, so before I went to the beach, if you guys have been following along, that was about a month ago. Uh, I got that run walk down to 18 minutes and, but right now I'm back up to like 22, 23 minutes. 
and because with I really like the run walk because in the minute run you can really push yourself like if you if you're trying if you're trying to and and this is the good thing too you can just push yourself for a minute and then you can kind of like walk for a minute and then you can maybe take a slow minute but anyway that's what I did this week so I got uh I yeah this morning right before the pod I did a, a awesome strength workout um and so yeah I'm feeling pretty good this week okay sweet what about you uh I told you a little bit of this before we started recording but and this is one of the reasons why I like tracking steps for example um my walks and my bike rides have gone down significantly one because my bike ride um my tire on my new bike um got a flat and then my spare um i think had gotten beaten up so it's not holding air yeah (laughs) basically so i have to go get a spare tire and it's on my rear tire and the gears on this bike are ridiculous and it's and i haven't had to do it on the rear tire yet so I really, I really need to bring my bike to a shop and have them have them show me how to set it up and maybe get a little tune up and get a couple more uh, spare uh, inner tubes. I need some more inner tubes. Really? Okay. So I haven't done that as much. Uh, long story short, and I haven't done walks as much. And the reason for that is because Jazz, my wife, hurt her ankle, and so the amount of steps and activity I was getting cardio wise prior to her hurting her ankle is actually less than the amount of steps and activity I'm getting cardio-wise right now, even though I'm not going on walks and and I'm not going riding on my bike at all. Yeah. That's and, so, and Yeah, so I'm not really pursuing those that much right now because my my volume, my load is higher than it was prior to that. And that's because I'm I'm chasing around the kids and I'm cleaning up things. And doing things that my wife would usually do, but I'm doing it in a very inefficient manner because I don't know where the fuck things are, (laughs) basically. Um, And I have to kind of run back and forth a lot more right now. That's interesting. Yeah, so, but tracking my steps has made me feel a lot better about it, honestly. (laughs) And making me not like beat myself up for getting those things in as much and i'm actually just trying to prioritize like stretching my calves and my my walking muscles out a lot more because it's a lot of like walking on hard uh like before i was walking on nice grass and trails and everything and right now i'm walking in the house basically a lot more or when we go places with the kids i'm walking in those buildings a lot more on harder surfaces a lot more so my shins and my calves and all those kind of things are getting even tighter oh wow yeah, so I'm just like trying to stay hardcore on my stretching with my shins and my calves, not giving myself a hard time for not, not getting the cardio work in as much. Still doing strength training in my leisure time, Ooh. Uh, probably about twice a week. Yeah. And then still doing my general movement um, patterns with like the flow rope when I'm outside with the kids and pull up bar when I walk through a couple different doorways here and stretches and that kind of stuff. And then we got out outs every other weekend right now. So if you're listening to this locally every other weekend this summer until labor day, we got out outs, uh, workout cookouts. And those are like a full, full workout. If you want to get it in. Yeah. I I love those workouts. I'll be there tomorrow for sure. Yep. Eventually I'm going to try it. I 
try and take everything on that board and put it into an easily more easily comprehensible post yeah online i would like to make it so i could print out that workout too and just like send people a pdf oh, that that'd be awesome. like follow along from home yeah. if you can't make it yep exactly exactly so that's in the that's in the future so stay tuned for that but oh, yeah that's, that's my current fit quest right man now. i have a fun fact and then we can wrap it up all right yep. Ten thousand steps do you know mm-hmm. do, do you know where that came from I know it's not like an actual health source where it came from. It was like a pop culture source, right? Yeah, I have it here. It's a marketing campaign. It was a marketing campaign used to sell pedometers by a Japanese company in 1965. Yep. So the reason they chose 10,000 steps was because the Japanese character for 10,000 steps looks like a man walking. So just saying, when we always go for 10,000 steps, like that's what Fitbit is like made popular and stuff like that. But yeah. it's a super random, super random number. Just get your. Yeah. <laughs> well, then they started, then they started doing research on it and then using that research to back up the health effects, which of course, if you get a bunch of steps, most people are going to feel better and look better. And it's five, it's five miles, right? So, I mean, that's pretty, that's a, that's a decent amount of steps every day. Yeah. You're doing five miles every day. Like you're going to be you're going to be covering a lot of bases, you know, but a lot of people that's not realistic. So right. it's not like a gold standard that you have to f- get to in any way, shape or form, but it just, just move more, more often and have a couple things that you can track. So that way, you know, if you're getting better or if you're falling off, I think the tracking is the most important part. Yep. Yep. Cool. Yep. All right, you gotta, man. You got to get aware of what you're doing. Sweet. Well, we'll see you at the out and out. Yep. See you at the out out. Maybe I'll see some of you guys listening at the out out soon. All right. Later. Peace.